You're listening to IoT Leaders, a podcast from SI that shares real IoT stories from the field about digital transformation swings and misses, lessons learned, and innovation strategies that work. In each episode, you'll hear our conversations with top digitization leaders on how IoT is changing the world for the better. Let IoT Leaders be your guide to IoT, digital transformation, and innovation. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the latest edition of IoT Leaders with me, Nick Earl, CEO of SI. And IoT Leaders is a podcast series that attempts to demystify IoT and give you, the listeners, guidance in how to make successful IoT deployments and the impact that they can have on business models. And in this episode, the world, because I'm delighted to welcome Nick Hughes to the podcast. And Nick is, has got a great track record in the IoT business going back quite a while. We'll, we'll, we'll explore that in a minute, uh, really in three main areas. First of all, from when, when working with Vodafone, was the creator of a mobile money payment system called M-Pesa, uh, which is now used uh, across Africa in particular. We'll talk about that in a minute. Then created co-founder of Encopa, which is a system with uh, IoT system that's delivering value to more than a million people, a million customers across Africa based on IoT. And if that wasn't enough, Nick has now founded a new venture called For Our Digital, which takes the Encopa model to a completely different level. And I think as you listen to this, one of the questions that, that will go through your mind, and it certainly went through my mind, is: Is this IoT? Is this giving back to the community? Is it a, a for-profit enterprise? Is it all of the above? But actually, it almost sounds like it's a financial services company. And so it is just really interesting, the business model that Nick Nick is able to implement. So Nick, with that big build-up, welcome, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, thanks. Uh, World-changing. I'm not sure about that, but it's... Uh, it's um... well, I don't know. I don't think we'll let the audience judge that one. Uh, yeah. I think it is. Um, so let's get into it. I mean... Yeah. Can we start perhaps on the um, the, the the mobile payment side? I mean, MPay sure. is a huge success. Yes. Uh, it, I mean, it is it is widely used. Uh, maybe you can yes. just start off with uh, the story of you were working with Vodafone, and, and yeah, how did that all come about? Yeah, sure. So yeah, I, I joined Vodafone in two thousand and one, and Vodafone at the time was was growing like crazy. It, it had gone from a UK FTSE 100 company up to this global player as it as it acquired um, network operators all over the world. And I joined with a brilliant job, actually. My, my job was to help find applications of mobile technology, which had a sort of positive impact or potentially a positive impact on reputation. And cutting a very long story short, in, in just after the 2001-2002 period when I joined, the um, what were called the Millennium Development Goals then, we now know them as the sustainable development goals um, but the millennium development goals were were a hot topic and big companies were trying to sort of work out what's the role of the private sector in addressing some of these development challenges and um, we we managed to get we were doing all sorts of stuff around uh, telemedicine and we were doing uh, improved accessibility for for it to, to tel- telco services but one project which started to move really quickly was looking at financial inclusion. Can we use mobile technology to allow people that have been excluded from financial services to give them greater access? And interestingly, with the support of some some grant money actually from DFID, who who are now FCDO, we we kicked off a project in 
Kenya, where Vodafone had a subsidiary called Safaricom. And Safaricom is a big and successful telco in Africa. And working with the management team there in Safaricom, we, we started knocking around a few ideas and then I started realizing, well, actually, we can use phones to move money between A and B. And so we built a, a mobile wallet system. I'm summarizing about six years of Right. Of my life because it's, it's not easy, and I'm sure it yeah, was easy. But, but today, and that that product became M-Pesa, and today M-Pesa generates. I think it's probably if it's not the biggest, it's very close to it now. But it's it's the major driver of revenue for Safaricom. So you've got a telco actually pulling revenue uh, in in a very significant way from an adjacent sector, which is is financial services and. And in fact, all over the world now, many systems that look like M-Pesa have come through and the technology has changed, of course, and we've all got smartphones. And, you know, and interestingly, we're in, in Europe, we all now use phones for payments, but we were doing that 15 years ago in, in yeah. Africa. Yeah. yeah. And so anyway, it grew into a very big business. And um, yeah, and it still is. M-Pesa is literally used by tens of millions of people in Africa every day. But for me, what's really, what became really interesting was once you can move a little bit of money between A and B at a very low cost, you can start to sort of edge into other business areas. And, and, and out of that came M-Copa. Where and, and that's where I wanted to move into it because on its own, you could argue that M-Pesa, which was a fantastic success and congratulations, is, is not an IoT story. It's a financial payment story for people yes. with yeah. you know, very low income, you know, $2 a day or whatever, but they have yeah. mobile phones. It's amazing. But it does have very, very direct relevance to IoT and in particular, how you change business models. And one yeah. of the themes that we've always had in these podcasts is it's not about the technology, it's about the creation of previously unimaginable business models, things that yeah. well, perhaps you could imagine them, but you couldn't figure out how to implement them. Yeah. And M-Cooper is a great example of that. Yeah. And so let's transition into that because I know MPES is part of it, but M-Cooper is a much bigger play. Yeah. And again, became a really big company. So, so let's talk about um, what happened next in terms of MCOPA. Yeah, yeah, thanks. So MCOPA is now eight years old and we, we built the business around using two big levers, mobile payments. So the ability to move a little bit of money around off a phone and to do that at very low cost. And then connectivity, as you say, uh, and this is where SI helped us in the very early days figure out this 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 technology that we needed. So we changing uh, tax slightly. If you take a step back and look in look at Africa, around six hundred million people do not have access to grid power, or if they do get access to grid power, it's very unreliable. And yet, we can use connectivity and payments to change that business model. And so what what we've done in, in Copa, we we created some distributed solar equipment, so it's a solar panel down into a battery, uh, lithium-ion batteries. You can use LED lights, low-power TVs, and you, you can create small standalone power systems. And inside that, that hardware, we, we put connectivity, and that's where SI helped us tremendously in the first few years. You put a modem and a SIM, so you, that bit of equipment, when it's anywhere in the world, you can see it digitally. You can remotely control it and you can turn it on and off. And then because I could turn it on and off, I could use mobile payments as a mechanism to allow people to buy that equipment using small payments. So think of it a little bit like a coin in the meter model. Yes. The coin is actually a, an M-Pesa payment. Yeah. The meter is some connectivity inside the hardware. And so 
So we're able to then say, put, give us a deposit to the customers, take this product home, install it. You have your own power system in your house and you're paying for it in small increments. Of course, if you don't pay us, we, we, we can turn it off when it's, you know, there's lots of software in there to, to protect the asset against hacking. And we didn't really see much of that at all. In fact, customers sort of, great, I can now afford to get good quality, clean energy at a daily price rather than having to save up a few hundred dollars and buy that kit. And so, so it is actually, when it looks like an energy company, but actually it's it's financial services. We are We are using digital payments to finance some hardware and yeah, and that's that. I think that's the secret of its success. And it's yeah, as you say, we've, we've now got a million customers in East Africa, and it's you know, and it's growing into so, well, so grown into TVs and fridges. And it's yeah, there's so much to talk about. So let's unpack it, as they say, and, and just make yeah. it. So I'm a I'm a villager in Africa, and I'm uh, not on the grid, or the grid's unreliable or whatever. So, but but we're able to bring power through solar uh, in in the device because there's plenty of sunshine. Yeah but there's not plenty of reliable electricity. So, so talk me through how I could use, how I could use this as a, as a yeah. somebody in a, in a village in Africa. Yeah, sure. So typically you'd be spending some of your disposable income, which by the way, is highly variable. You know, may, maybe we work in, uh, in small business or you've got your own farm or you work in agriculture and your, your income is quite spiky and variable. You've probably not been offered banking services in the way you yeah, and I, I don't, would I don't know qualify them. for the credit checks no. and whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm below the radar of the banks. Yeah, it's sort of almost invisible to banks, really. So you don't have a credit record. But so what we say, but you have managed to get yourself a phone and you've managed to register for an M-Pesa account. So, you know, there's you know, plus 40 million people registered for M-Pesa in, in Kenya alone. And so you have an ability to move a little bit of money around off, off your phone once you can load cash into that into that wallet. And so uh, you know, one of our sales uh, guys or girls would have would have, would have no doubt been to your village and done. A, we've probably got a shop somewhere within. Uh, you know, we have seventy or eighty locations across Kenya where we where we have products on display. And it, but it's all about displacing that daily cost that you would spend on kerosene, or paraffin, or Perhaps you have enough money to run a small diesel generator for your own sort of business or house. That, those are costly things um, in terms of their capex, but also their, their ongoing cost. So our proposition is put a deposit down, and that could be somewhere between twenty and thirty dollars, which is an important screen because it gets cut. We we know then that the customer is committed in serious. Yeah, they're committed. Yeah. yeah. So they some money down. They take the product home, and it's a and, you know, it's a it's a very simple on the outside. It's a very simple product. It's you put a solar panel and you put that on your roof and you can move it in and out if you're moving away or you're going overnight. You want to bring it in, but it charges up a battery. Right. And that battery is then used to power, you know, charge your phone, power your lights, USB slots on it, USB sockets. Yeah, you can put in a low power TV. We, we're even running fridges off these power systems now. Because actually, the technology in battery storage has come on leaps and bounds in recent yes. years, largely driven by the EV market. Maybe, maybe when we get to four-hour digital, we can talk about electric vehicles. But yeah. it's another story. But we're but getting there. Yeah. yeah. So we have affordable solar power PV panels, photovoltaic panels, affordable battery storage, energy storage, 
low power appliances, lights, TVs, fridges. And then what we've done is put some software in there that controls that according to payments received. Now, of course, we need to connect that hardware up. And, and that's where you know, we use SI SIMs. We, you, you guys help us with the connectivity. So if you think there are three pieces to the, to the equation, you've got a bit of kit in someone's house yeah. remotely. You've got, to, you've got to connect that and bring, serve, bring information and data back to a cloud services. Yeah. And then we run an accounts management system, which tracks the payments received from that customer. And so you've got, you've got those three pieces, the hardware, the cloud services, and then our yeah. account management system, which, which is basically running the, running the lending product that, that we've offered. And it's interesting you, you say that as the lending product, because, yeah, we, I know certainly when we started helping you with this journey, we were helping you with the hardware design. It was an engineering problem. How do I do this? How do I remotely access yeah. How do I make it reliable? Yeah. And then this, this ability to turn it on or off, depending on the customer's really thinking record. Okay. Yeah. Yes, there was an aha at some point where, or maybe you had the brilliant vision all the way along, but sometimes the, the companies end up with something they discovered along the journey as opposed to right from day one. Yeah, true. So yeah. You found yourself with credit history yeah. information for people That's right. who, aren't, who don't have bank accounts. Yes. That must be a, right. a big aha. Yeah, really. And um, yeah, you're right. The very start of that journey is about can we make this work? Can yeah. we, in the middle of nowhere, anywhere in the world, yeah, can we fix the engineering? And, you know, your, your team, Paul and Ian, especially heavily involved and helped us say, okay, we can tick that box. We know we can connect that piece of equipment up and it has to work. The customer, it's, you know, there's this beautiful technology under the, under the bonnet, really, but it, it's got to the customer. It's yeah. got to be completely invisible. It just has to work out of the box every time the customer wants to turn that product on. And that getting that bit right is, is essential because then you build trust from your customers and they start re repaying. And then as they're repaying, you know, we are profiling um, their ability to repay and the speed of repayment. And, and so, yeah, you're right. We suddenly started getting visibility of, of customers' ability to buy things on a pay-as-you-go basis that, that, we, that we previously just made assumptions about. We, we had no idea. Although, it, you know, you could argue, you know, that the telcos have been doing pay-as-you-go, as you know, for yeah. years. And in fact, across emerging economies, the pay-go model is, is really what brought people into, yeah. into telecom services. But yeah, but then, you know, then, you know, after a couple of years, we were looking at this growing base and what we, you know, the, the penny dropped, actually, they've just purchased some collateral for their household and we can refinance it. So once they paid it off or paid almost all of it off, then suddenly they, we know they, are, they have an asset in their house or their small business, which we can get visibility yeah. of. We know how they're using it. And of course, remember, we can turn it on and off. And then we were able to say, OK, well, we can relend against that against that product. So if they need a loan for school fees or some a loan for their business, we can reset the credit level on the power system and offer them cash back to their end. So you're doing it through the device. So the device now becomes a hub not just a home hub for aggregation of power, and we'll get into that. Um, yeah. That's a big issue, not just in emerging markets, but all the way around the world. In fact, we yeah. recently recorded a podcast with an EV charging company about the race yeah. for the home hub through yeah. EV charges and car batteries and whatever. But going back to that, the you're now able, you know, it's like the old, uh, when I was growing up, you know, the, the, the catalog guy would come and knock on the door and you're buying stuff on the yeah. network. You know, that's true. Yeah, no, that's true. Put everything yeah. off the catalog and how it's, yeah. But but you yeah. can you're actually yeah. able to increase their credit limit because you've got credit history, so yeah. they can now buy 
more things. And, and it's all done through an IoT. It's a business model, but it, 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 it's delivered to them through an IoT device. Yeah, definitely. Two, two big levers, the digital payments and then connectivity through IoT. And those two things, are, yeah, I, I think, are huge levers when we think about new business models. And um, yeah, and this led to for our digital because it, and Copa is very much a, a consumer yeah. facing business, and it's moved from. So what happened next? Yeah, and then well, well, then you start to explore that model even further, and you think, okay, well, what about all these value chains where there's inefficiency at the moment? And you know, we we touched on electric vehicles; they are perfect for for IoT applications. Of course, you they're complex. You've got a vehicle; you you need a charging infrastructure, but but if you've got data on how that ecosystem of elements within an electric vehicle play work, then that data allows you to couple it with payments again, and you can start to think about pay-as-you-go models for electric vehicle usage. And so for me, that's very that's hugely interesting because electric vehicles and that sort of last mile delivery opportunity in emerging economies is, is going to be huge. And exactly. in, in Asia, we already see you know, literally tens of thousands of EVs coming out every month africa's going to catch up it's it's good it, i think there's a big opportunity for electric vehicles in in africa and we have to blend in some financing services alongside it, it won't yeah. work will it i mean it, it's fine yeah. here i'm sitting in my house in the uk i have an ev charger in my garage not far away from where i am but i didn't have to worry you know i paid for this when i bought the electric car but i'm in a completely privileged position compared to people in the market that you're addressing and unless you solve the credit and the, the business model as you yeah. say yeah and the technology adoption will fail because the, the price of the cars can yeah the affordability yeah that's right but, but still you're yeah. saying well i don't want to if i'm selling uh, anything that's electrical electrically powered uh, into that can connect to this hub or can be associated with this hub i'm still worried about the credit risk of my customers yeah uh, and and so that taking the because it, it, like it's like a waterfall i mean the impression i'm getting it's like a waterfall you start with their pacer and their pacer sort of flowed into mcopa and you realize yeah. what to do yeah mcopa yeah. is is now flowing into another variation yeah <laughs> it, 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 it mutating is a variation of another business model called for our digital so yeah so what so what what yeah. is it all about yeah so for our digital is is um we're focusing more on business to business services. So if you think of these challenges that confronts uh, many val business value chains in not, not the consumer one, I think it is, you know, what we, we tackled with MCOPA is consumer access to clean energy, consumer right. appliances, including smartphones, which are now rocketing away because we can offer an affordable way to acquire a smartphone. But if, if you put that to one side, you've also got um, very inefficient Sort of value chains, or, you know, we've talked about mobility and vehicle usage. But if you think about agriculture, agriculture is a, a key uh, industry in a sector in in right across Africa, and yet it's, it's full of inefficiencies. And so, if you think about bringing equipment into agricultural value chains that can improve efficiencies, yes. you know, either yield outputs from things like solar powered water pumps and irrigation systems, that's quite expensive kit. But if I can connect it, monitor it and finance it, it suddenly becomes a way to bring in productive equipment that, so we move more from a consumption model and MCOPA type model towards a sort of productive use model and I, and I think that that's what we're doing in for our digital. It's all about finding 
working with business clients to find opportunities to increase productivity through value chains where you you bump up against these problems of expensive equipment and lack of financing so so i'm i'm uh, i'm now in a i don't know a small village or I'm, I'm in this town and now and i want to have one of these expensive bits of equipment i'm a business and the reason i want that expensive bit of equipment is i, I want to build a business around it exactly uh, yeah. now. and yeah. so and i want to sell the capabilities of that equipment i've now extended the value chain you know b to b yes so yes. so 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 the model morphs i guess doesn't it i mean i know you're just in, in, you know introducing this now you've launched yeah. it the model now morphs into uh, i think what you're saying is you, you can enable me to make a business exactly. out of a piece of equipment yeah. that previously i couldn't do that's right. Yeah. Talk, me, talk me through how, how that works. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. I think if we can find a way to allow the owner or operator of, of that equipment to earn money and, and increase their income, that, that's key. But, uh, you know, in, what we're doing with MCOPA, we're saving households money because we're taking what they would spend on kerosene, allowing them to buy a piece of equipment over a period of, say, 12 to 18 months. Yeah. And then that, their energy is free from that point on. And in fact, there's some great stats. I mean, and COPA's published an impact report, and it shows that we can save, a typical household will save hundreds of dollars uh, because, you know, through purchasing that solar energy equipment. And then and then once they've purchased it, their, their energy use is free for as long as that product and they, can, and they can uh, basically purchase everything on the same thing, purchase their mobile and they, phone, yeah, exactly. and they purchase can, their, their battery-powered fridge. Yeah, so that's it's, exactly it's, right. Yeah. yeah, And it's, so it's a way of sort of a, a making things affordable and, and actually saving money. On the productive side, so what we're doing in 4R Digital is exploring, it's still quite early stage, you know, we, we literally incorporated it this year, which might go down in history as one of the craziest times to start a new business in we're seeing at the moment but um but yeah but it's it's about finding applications of the same model but where you are in you're allowing the owner of or operator of the equipment to increase revenue and so you can think about you know we talked about agricultural systems there's potentially ways to finance into into electric vehicles we think we think there are um you know uh, if you think about small sort of informal retail outlets where you can start to think about things like water purification equipment that's expensive and yet there's a need for, for clean clean water quite expensive to create it sometimes we can finance uh, a way into into that so there's, there's there's lots of opportunities in fact you know some um, it for me it's very exciting i think i think we're just about starting to realize what we can do with iot when you couple it up with payments and I, you know I, I, as, as i look ahead and these aren't all emerging economy applications you know it's no, I mean, it, it doesn't take a big imagination. To this, this innovation is going to start there and spread into more established economies. But again, yeah. I'm in this village, so I can really get it here. I, I want to run a business out of a water purification unit. It's an expensive item. I know I can now buy it from you and in the way that it's sort of an, as a business as an extension of the first model, I can buy it from you. But my, I guess what it means is my customers who are going to use, I'm going to sell these water purification services to, they can pay for my service with mobile money. Yes, exactly. So yeah. you actually, and, and that all goes through the system. So yeah. you've extended the, the model from a centralized model. You're now distributing it to a series yeah. of tens, hundreds of thousands, potentially of hubs. 
So you're yeah. enabling businesses by saying, and not only will I enable you to acquire the equipment in the first place, but I'll enable you to sell services of that equipment to people who can pay exactly. you in yeah. the same model as you've already proven. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And you know, I, and I do think if you, you know, without getting too universal here, we're now used to buying our water from mains distribution systems, our power from high voltage distribution yeah. networks. If you were starting again, we would never design infrastructure that way. You wouldn't do it because it's hugely inefficient, yeah. uh, very expensive. And, and, and yet in emerging economies, you've actually got, you don't have that incumbent infrastructure. You can, yeah, you can, and that phrase is, is often used. You can go straight to quite sort of light touch, much more bespoke distributed models for many, many things. And And, and if you've got, the ability to move with digital finance to move money around, you know, that's a that's that's a whole series of barriers moved to one side. And then IoT brings you the visibility. You can look at equipment, you can monitor it, you can update it, you can run digital twins. So we were we're getting super interested in energy storage, of course, is is all about the performance of um, good quality batteries for energy storage. And you, you think about creating a digital twin where you can monitor performance, you can provide software updates, you can model performance of that energy storage over time. And then, you know, then you need, you need, at some point, you need to bring that back to the real world. And you can, you know, you can manage your energy storage business in a, in a, in a much smarter way because of connectivity and the ability to, to model things virtually before you need to spend the money of getting it fixed on the, on the ground. You know, there's so many, one of the great things about this podcast series, you know, when we started it to, bring really interesting stories to the listeners. And this is a fabulous way, it's multiple stories. But I guess what one thing certainly I didn't realize is the extent to which they would all start to connect together because what you just said is, is almost word for word for a recent one that we recorded, which was with a EV charging company, yep. Podpoint in the UK. And they were talking about the disintermediation of the EVSE, the, the, the um, yep. You know, the, the, the EVSE industry, the electric vehicle supply, the industry for supplying electric into homes. And this point about, yeah. you know, we've all had these relationships with a, a power company, a utility company, and, and the, the way the supply chain works. And, there's, and now there's these emergence of these new intermediaries and, yeah. and the idea of an aggregation hub in the home, yeah. which could be linked to your car, it could be linked to some solar panels yeah. and whatever. And then the idea that you could use it to broker you yeah. could actually have bids on there, which says, who wants to sell me electricity today? Who, yeah. wants, to, who wants to buy my excess electricity? Very quick bursts, you know, during yeah. half-time in a sports game, whenever we put the best one in the UK yeah. or, or whatever, makes the copy in the US. Yeah. Um, but the idea of, of un- not disintermediating the supply chain and actually giving power to the user, one of them, every single podcast we've done, when we look at the story, it always results in what IoT is, is not technology. Yes, there's some really hard technology problems you have to solve. And you talked about that. And you know, we know that's yeah. the business we're in. But at the end of the day, they take off when you empower the user. Yeah. The user takes control of them. You know, the user is taking control of their payments within the case of the user is taking control of how they uh, use electricity and, and then can acquire products for the home, the, the fridge, the, the TV, yeah. the phone. And now the user is taking control. The user actually can take control of their life by being able to set up in a business 
and enabling them to 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 run a business. And yep. as you say, that is not a model that's just confined to emerging markets. No, not it at all. Arguably, get adopted quicker in emerging markets because you don't have the legacy infrastructure. Yep. And I think exactly that's right. really yeah. interesting angle. Yeah, and, and if we look at the the big uh, forces starting to to get interested in this space, so we you know we do a lot of work with Microsoft, and you know they 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 can if they envisage their future, you see the obviously the growth of the the cloud services model, yes. but all this stuff that's happening at the edge of the cloud, and you know uh, uh, you know these distributed models, I mean they I think they're sensing that as they're not the only ones, of course, but they're all sensing this opportunity to that they're. There are business models out there waiting to be created that utilize this technology well. But but your point is a really good one. Unless you're you've got to stay focused on the consumer or the user, if it's a business user, you've got to either save the money or make the money. You've got to solve a problem somewhere for otherwise, otherwise it's just the technology. Otherwise, it's just the technology. Yeah. And we've seen, you know, you know, you know, I'm sure you share this with your own professional history we've seen people get too excited about the technology but and forget actually what's the application of this in the real yeah, world and exactly. so, we're, so we're you know for our digital web so we're trying to keep you know let's keep our feet on the ground let's find three or four good applications of connectivity and payments you know and work with with partners to to, to tease out all the, the the hard bits you know and, and then think about what the scale opportunity might be in the end and I, you know i'm you know i'm excited you know i i think you know, it's been a dreadful year with, you know, as we know, all over the world with, with COVID. But if, if anything, if there's a silver lining anywhere, it, it has to be around the accelerated adoption of digital products and services. Because, you know, we can do things differently. We can do things at lower cost and much more efficiently. But we, you know, we, we need, you know, we need to step in and and get our hands dirty on the hard bits to make these, these business models work properly. But but it is possible, you know. It's, um, it is possible and, and, and arguably fundamental. And just to finish a couple of points, I mean, you mentioned Microsoft. We, I know that one of the things that we work with you is to you know get all this information into Azure. I think you're one of the largest yeah. Azure. This is one of the largest Azure implementations in Africa, I believe. So, it is, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, and Tony Shakib, who um, runs a, a, a IoT globally for, um, Microsoft were hoping to be a guest, a future guest on the podcast. So that would be very interesting from his perspective. But secondly, this issue of, of technology adoption in a, in a downturn, I, I probably used this phrase before in a previous one, but something I learned in, in my career when I'm, you know, Cisco and HP and startups is, a, is a, you know, it's a Formula One analogy. You don't overtake on the straights, you overtake on the corners. And technology adoption, when you look back, very definitely always accelerates in, in downturns. Yeah. Uh, and new companies, there's a direct correlation, I don't know the exact data, but somebody somewhere in business school has proved it. A very high proportion of the market leaders in technology, the waves of market leaders, were actually founded, you, you, you map them back, they were founded in downturns. Yeah. And of course, the reason for that is that, is what you just said, the downturn puts so much focus on your costs but so much focus on you have to do something different. You can't just be a product. Yeah, and what happens is that typically um, small companies say there is a completely new way of doing this. Like I'm going to build the whole model around the user as opposed to from the brand to the user. Yeah, and I'm going to actually enable a brand new experience. And um, 
as a result of that, what happens is disruption is accelerated. Yeah, I agree. And, yeah. Um, and so what you're seeing is that the overall market, if you look at the market share numbers and the total amount of money spent, ooh, seems to come down to low single digits. But within that, the total amount of money spent on new implementations of yeah, exactly. is absolutely booming yeah. and it's invisible you can't see it yeah. until yeah. suddenly it's too late and everyone says well i always knew it was going i always knew this yeah. was going to be the model <laughs> yeah uh, that's true yeah that's that easy to say isn't it yeah 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 look i agree you know is it necessity is the mother of invention isn't it and i think when we can we know technically we we can make this these sorts of models work and no, there are challenges there, and it's you've you've got to get it the technology at the right cost. And you know, as we were talking about earlier, it's got to work out of the box. And you know, you know, where you guys have helped us over the years it, on, on that is, you know, it, it, you know, that's fundamental. You have to. Nothing's going to happen if the technology doesn't work. But you've you must stay focused on what's the need or the problem that I'm I'm tackling. And you know, and for me, I, I you know, I am an optimist. I, I think we are going to see the adoption of better business models that are more inclusive and you know these can be for profit you know we can do this and yeah we and should make it clear you're, you're not a you're not a registered in case people are thinking you're a registered yeah. charity you're a, you're, yeah. you're a profitable established yeah. business yeah yeah that's right and i think we I, I it's a it's a possibly a longer game than we we always i think we we sometimes think things will happen super quickly they don't happen that quickly but they the, but when they do happen i i think the the magnitude of the impact they can have can be can be massive, and we've seen. I you know certainly I've had the privilege of working with brilliant teams like Impesa and on Copa, and I, and I I look forward. I can see there's you know, some some really exciting new opportunities, and they they take they take working out. They don't fall out of the sky, you know. Yes, that's right. Work, yeah. but it, but I you know I you know given the year we've had, I, I'm I'm still an optimist for this stuff. I think this this we we know there are better ways to do things, and, and we can use technology to our advantage. To, to find profitable paths uh, into some of those new business models. So, Nick, I think it's a wonderful story. I'm sure the listeners have loved it and uh, want to thank you for it. And, and not just the story, yeah. clearly a big partner of, of ours at SI, but making a, a real life tangible contribution to people's lives. Um, you know, there's quite a few IoT case studies out there where it's hard to get a human angle story, that it's definitely not hard to get the human angle. Story. It's changing people's lives for the better, and it's a wonderful thing, and shows the true potential of IoT on a global basis. And there's lots of stories like that out there, particularly good ones. So I just want to thank you for your time. Pleasure. And wish you well. I know we're going to see if we can help you on the next stage of your yeah. journey. Tremendously exciting. And I would just say to the, the listeners, I hope you enjoyed it. Remember, this is the IoT Leaders podcast. If you have any feedback or, or uh, inputs of what you'd like to hear, stories, then please, you know, you can contact us directly at iotleaders at siesey.com. Having listened to this, you probably more want, want to reach out to Nick, and I'm sure you can find Nick on LinkedIn and, and, and through the... Yeah, sure. Always happy to talk about this stuff. And look, and, yeah. and thanks, Nick, for inviting me on. I've, I've really enjoyed it. And... Um... Yeah. I'm sure we're going to we're going to do more stuff together. I think we're going to do some great stuff together for the benefit of of uh, not not just our companies, but but much more importantly uh, for the benefit of society. I mean, it it does fill my heart when I talk about what type of customers we got. I often say, well, I can tell you about a business case study, but let me tell you what we're doing for people in Africa that don't have access to the grid or don't have a bank account. And 
that people Great. much they love hearing about that for obvious reasons. So uh, just so everybody knows at MCOPA, in case people are hearing this and thinking, oh, how do you do that? It's M hyphen K O P A. That's it. Yep. Yeah. And that the, is. New, the new company is yeah. 4R Digital. Uh, we're, we're bit, digital. 4R Digital.com. And yeah, we're big believers in the fourth revolution. So 4R is a. Okay. Yeah, there's a there's a if you haven't if you don't know much about the fourth revolution, have a have a have a look at it. But it's all about you know we get, we move in these industrial cycles. Yeah, in, industry four and, and, and yeah, yeah and that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it's um it's just a great case studies, great content, great example of taking complex problems and bringing them to life through technology, IoT, changing business models, and disrupting value chains. It was all in there. So with that, I think we'll leave it here. Thank you great. again. Uh, we'll talk yes, soon. Thank you. thank you to our listeners for listening to this episode of IoT Leaders. Thanks for tuning in to IoT Leaders, a podcast brought to you by SI. Our team delivers innovative global IoT cellular connectivity solutions that just work, helping our customers deploy differentiated experiences and disrupt their markets. Learn more at si.com. You've been listening to IoT Leaders, featuring digitization leadership on the front lines of IoT. Our vision for this podcast is to be your guide to IoT and digital disruption, helping you to plot the right route to success. We hope today's lessons, stories, strategies, and insights have changed your vision of IoT. Let us know how we're doing by subscribing, rating, reviewing, and recommending us. Thanks for listening. Until next time.